It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. Winston Smith, his chin nuzzled into the breast in an effort to escape the vile wind, slipped quickly through the glass doors of Victory Mansion, though not quickly enough to prevent a swirl of gritty dust from entering along with him. Hello and welcome, I'm Douglas Foles, and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day. Production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Wednesday, April 19th, and today we'll get our annual Coachella update as we check in with friend of the show, Michael Allen, artist, projectionist, creative editor. More information about him can be found at his website, project-ions.com. He has been a guest of SyncBook Radio four times previously, to which we'll link. How are you doing tonight, Michael? Hello, how are you today? That's pretty cool. Four times previously. Yeah. That's a lot of times it, talking to you guys. It, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny not the time that I met you. It's funny. It, just, <laughs> it seems like it's not a normal year if I don't talk to you in the spring. All right. <laughs> well, keep calling. What's happening, man? I don't know. What's happened? Did you go to uh, Burning Man last year? I went to Burning Man. Um, I go. I kind of go every year. I'll be out there again this year. Um, I went to a lot of festivals um, and hope to go to a lot this year too. Right in the middle of Coachella's right now, like you mentioned, and um, doing lighting with war paint and then bringing out some extra visual stuff just for fun on the side and stuff. And um, I guess that's it. I mean, if you want to talk about festivals. Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, so on the side, does that mean like renegade mm -hmm. stuff or uh, are you working with like... Well, it's a combo, man. I, I've worked for a guy that throws the festivals for a long time and I coincidentally ran into him out there and he's a part of a... He's a part... He throws... He's all up in on the inside of the event itself. And he saw me and remembered me from 10 years ago when we worked together and kind of gave me on an on the spot interview kind of thing so that we were going over the projections and what I'm up to. And he said, do you think you could give us a demo before the show starts next, next week? That's what he asked me to do, uh -huh. which is really cool because I'm going to bring in some projectors and computer stuff and show it to him. But that has it so that I have my equipment there that I wasn't going to bring because I was originally going to do visuals for the band war paint. And we added an element to our show that is blinking white lights on the stage. And they made it so that my screens looked really bad. And it was oh. too bad because it was right before showtime. I and mean, not showtime, but it was like rehearsal on the Thursday before we're leaving on Friday. And um, I think I spoke a little bit last time we talked about my letdown last year where I was trying to do, trying to work with Sia and that one fell through. But then I ended up still working with another group. Yeah. So it's kind of weird how the universe is toying with me. I'm hoping I'm not starting a bad cycle right now <laughs> because it's, there's the sinking feeling I get from not completing what a project I'm set out to accomplish. But then so far, so good. I'm still there and working and, uh, and nobody's mad at me. So while it's happening, it's not like I'm like damaging contacts or in this case, I, it feels like it was beyond all of our control. 
So I can't be mad at the band for... You have a pretty good relationship with them. You are go on yeah. tour frequently. Yeah, with... we've toured before and stuff, and they were really gracious in calling me because they got a really busy summer. And at the beginning of it, I was excited because I thought maybe this was my key to some worldwide touring this summer. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen. You know, that might pop back up if I get lucky. But otherwise, I have some other projects that I'm working with where I'm going to be going doing these shows with a band called Tripping Daisy that I used to play with back in the 90s. And um, they're very good friends of mine. And it would have been a shame if the other band would have gotten away because it would have been hard for me to turn down one for the other. Gotcha. And if I'm already working on the Tripping Daisy thing, then I'd have to turn down the Warpaint thing that's going to take me around all like everywhere. And um, so I might have had to turn down the Tripping Daisy thing, but that's my buddies. Yeah. So now I get to have, still have a good summer. It's all good. You know, things happen the way that they happen. And um, as long as I can see it that way, everything feels okay. <laughs> For new listeners, Coachella mm-hmm. is a, it's, is it three days and then they do it again? It's, How does that work? They, they do the same show. It's a three day event, two weeks in a row. So Friday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, there are bands playing from, like two o'clock in the afternoon until one o'clock in the morning on massive mega stages. It's not like a, it's a really, really big event. Uh, it's not like a small thing or it's not like something like South by Southwest where it's a bunch of like a DIY kind of stuff. Oh, speaking big of which, festival. Yeah. What's that? No, keep going. <laughs> You're jogging my memory. <laughs> you did South yeah, so, by this uh, year. Yeah, I went to South by. Yeah, I worked on the stage. Got to work on the stage that a lot of the members from the original Revolution played on. That was amazing. And um, being from Texas, I always somehow find myself getting back out there to Austin first, off by Southwest. And so I've done it 15 years in a row. And guess I'll keep on doing it as long as they'll keep on having me for some reason or the other. You know, I uh, it's a really interesting event. Austin, Texas, is really cool because they let it happen. You know. They have big sound systems just out on the street and nobody's shutting it down. And um, there's bands making noise in like every venue in town all day. And that was a week long. Yeah. So it's kind of special that way. A lot of places don't have that. You have to get out of town if you're going to make a bunch of noise like that. How, how many original members of the revolution are left? Well, it was kind of weird because all week they'd been saying the revolution's playing the stage. I'm all excited because I'm like, it's going to be Wendy and Lisa. It's going to be Doc and these people that I associate with the revolution. Yeah. And then they were showing up and I was noticing, well, there's that guy that was the dude that sings on 1999, the guy that wore the like sun um, headband. I don't know if you yeah. know your revolution. There's a guy, Des Dickerson or something, Des something. And he, um, was a part of the original one and he was in on it when Prince was just beginning to play guitar and stuff. And so it was the OG revolution that showed up. I think that the drummer was the one that was in the purple rain revolution, but these guys were a lot of dudes that were like, like there's a guy named Andre Simone that grew up with Prince and he was on the stage and other people who had been playing with, with Prince since Prince was a kid. So it was a different kind of revolution than the one that I went in there expecting, but they still played a bunch of Prince songs and they played them real loud in front of a big audience and they knew how to play them well you know it was no prince of course but it was pretty awesome to get to say that i was uh watching members of the revolution post prince felt yeah. fun 
Okay, well then back to back to Coachella real fast. It's three days, two weekends, the same show, and then yeah. you work it, and so you have access to it. Oh, does mm-hmm. it? Did, do you have to camp there? Is that the only way to do that no. festival? No, actually, I had a room that I didn't go to because I camp because my friends are there, and I have worked in the camping area, so I'm really at home setting up a tent and staying out there. Um, it gets hot early in the day, but that's cool because I like to party. And so like, I'll stay awake all night. And then, um, when the sun forces me not to sleep in the afternoon, then I get back to it and go see concerts, you know, um, there are camping, I camp in an artist area and there's this thing they do where they have a, it's called balloon chain. They have, uh, they put balloons on a single line of, of fishing wire and it's helium balloons that are colored and they'll clip little LED lights on them in the nighttime so you can see them. And they just continuously feed the fishing line up into the sky until there are like a thousand balloons on it and the thing's a half a mile long. You ever seen that before? Do you know of anything like that? Have you ever seen it where it's just one single string of balloons and they're helium balloons so they're just going straight up in the air. But in the long run, you have a really, really long string of balloons that just seems like it just goes off way up into the distance. And they they carry it around the field. They walk around the field holding on to it and let other people get their pictures taken with it and stuff like that. And um they're good friends of mine and they camp out out there. And so instead of going to the hotel room, I go and spend all my time with balloon chain. Weird. No, I haven't ever seen that. It's really cool. It's a uh, like I said, they put LED lights on them and so you'll see hundreds of balloons in a straight line. So there's no bundle and they have like three lines and they talk by walkie-talkie so that they don't get them entangled from opposite ends of a massive mile-wide field. And they, you can see it from everywhere. You can see it from a mile away because it's just sticking straight up and it's until the wind's blowing and then it's going horizontal and then it's their job to hold it high enough so it's not like hanging people up or to take it down because the wind's blowing too long for it. Uh, so... The interesting thing about Coachella is that it's a mix of a lot of different kinds. So there's like really uh, popular acts as well. It's a big, big draws, and then also a lot of interesting artists doing interesting right. things. And so there's a little bit for everyone. I, I guess how much bleed over at the different stages? Like how far apart are these? They're real far apart, and they have it all positioned right where the speakers are aimed out in the right directions and. A lot of the times in the night, the headliner is really, really loud. And so some of the other stages will end early because the headliner kind of, that's when they really turn it all the way up and you can hear it from far, far, far away. And they have their ways of uh, balancing it while the show's going on because they'll have, you can stand in the center and have two massive stages that are all turned all the way up and, and on. And you can hear them both at the same time, but then you can walk toward one or the other and it's loud enough and there are enough speakers so that they cancel each other out. Hmm. Well, so then did you get it's, excited about anyone this year? To be honest, I, I really didn't. I mean, I've, I, there's usually one or two and I've had years that I, it's a full lineup that I'm stoked about. Um, I don't like a lot of pop music, you know? Yeah. And I, there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff that's on the stages and I can't really complain like that. There's all, you, you can go wherever you want to and hear what you want to. Don't let down whenever I see Lady Gaga pulling out this massive, massive crowd of people that are going to sing along with every song and 
make it seem like it's the coolest whenever it's cool. It's great. I just really, I'm into the alternative stuff. Sure. It seems kind of like watching a Britney Spears show at a big punk rock concert. Uh-huh. And, but that's not what it, it is. A pop show. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, that's, that's how it is. And they'll try to surprise you with that kind of stuff because now they just now made a bunch of Gaga fans. Very, very, very happy, you know? Yeah. So just cause I don't like it. Don't mean it's no good. No, but it was, the show itself was amazing. You know, Kendrick Lamar played, had a very, very impressive stage rig. You know, I get way into that kind of stuff. Radio had played and their sound went out during the first three songs of the set and uh, caused like major interference where it was like a big feedback and then the entire field goes silent while the band's still playing with ears, with the monitors in their ears and don't know that everything is burned out. Oh, wow. How long did, did they finish the song? They played on and then the song came back on like 20 or 30 seconds after the silence. And then, but, and then it did it again. And um, like I say, it was very uncomfortable, like where it was like a long drawn out looking at the sound guy and wondering what's going on minute of like, Oh no, somebody's really losing their job. This is crazy. And then it came back again. And then the third time it did it, people actually started walking, you know, because it was kind of, it was a very uncomfortable kind of thing. It wasn't, you don't want to stand through it while this thing is happening and the show's just kind of like falling apart at the very beginning of a massive production like that. And um, then the music came on and it sounded real bad where it was like blaring and all the wrong instruments were turned up at the wrong levels. But I think that might be when they like switched out a piece of equipment or something that was failing. I assume. I don't know exactly what was going on back there, but it was almost like somebody was hitting one single button that was killing the whole entire audience of, <laughs> of stacks of speakers. I've never seen it happen before at a concert before in my life. I had I experienced something similar. I it it seemed like Def Leppard lost all their sound on stage at a show that I oh. went to, <laughs> and they actually turned on the lights and they were like trying to look at power cords underneath the crowd to try oh, and figure man. out. Oh <laughs> man! Yeah, I mean the show must go on, and while it's happening, you're like they're going to recover from this, but you. <sighs> But right. they wouldn't want it to happen to begin with. So if they can't recover, they can't recover. Who knows what's going on back there? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. rough. Well, what about in terms of, I know that a lot of celebrities come to that particular festival and it's kind of like fashion right. and be seen and stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I wonder about, uh, do they, is it all general admission or are there like VIP type? No, seats? there are very separate sections and there are like the, um, the VIP that is the artist area that, that is the real, it's the place where people can't pay for VIP tickets to get into. And it is a massive area that is just like another area of the concert. You know, there are lots of RVs around and bars and water and everything that you would need out in the concert, but you're in a big area that's just for the artists. Cause there's so many claims. Oh, gotcha. You know, I'm sure that a lot of people go out and have fun and I'm sure that they're, but I'm sure they have their ways of, even if you're not playing, there's that backstage area because you want to go to the concert. 
because I'd love to see. But, you know, it is California, too. A lot of the time, people are real casual about that. They fit in with everybody else, so it's not like people are chasing them around. But, you know, if you were that, if you're Kendrick Lamar and you're on the top of the charts and everything, then you're going to have people all around you. And so they might not really go out and hang out anywhere they go. I don't know. You know, like Lady Gaga, how does she, she'd have to put on one of her crazy masks to be able to not be chased from all around. But I bet she could pull it off. I bet she could put on her crazy mask and nobody would notice that it was her. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you, if, if you were like that, I've thought about that at Burning Man. Like, what if you were the president of the United States and you wanted to see Burning Man? Well, you could pull it off by getting a weird Jedi cloak and a black mask that covers your face and going in your RV and then getting out and walking among everybody covered up. So you could do whatever you want. You still hang out in the place and experience the experience without being uncovered and having everybody know that you're there. Who knows? I don't know if they do that. Michael Jackson always put veils over his head. <laughs> but you can still tell it was him. He wasn't covering anything up. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's... <laughs> you know? I mean, they were trying to cover it. He didn't want them to know where his kids are. His kids are wearing these weird freaking veils and <laughs> making sure that everybody doesn't know that they're around whenever they're there. I guess. I don't know. It was just a fashion statement. Well, so, what, what did, earlier you said something about rebelling. What, how, I wonder. What was I saying? I don't know. Maybe it didn't have anything to do with pop music when I was saying that I don't like pop music. No. I don't know what it was. There was I was starting to have some interesting synchronicities start falling into place. Oh, it happens all the time, dude. Let's talk about synchronicity. Uh, like yeah. I know that like but just for instance, just now I think I probably told the story before of me having a conversation with a friend, him saying that a number was I was saying that, you know, if you're thinking about something, you're on um a topic or subject that that thing might come up a lot more and you know we all kind of experience that especially in the same community where we're paying attention to these kind of things and you you find yourself in patterns my pattern is that every time i'm pulling my car up and going to take the key out of the car then the music finds the end of the song for me so it feels like it's my soundtrack and i get a little kick out of it every time it happens because it's like no matter what's playing in the car when i'm about to stop the car and take the key out it'll be right at the end and sometimes i'll just hear that dun dun and then I take the key out, and it's like, yeah, that happened. <laughs> so I'm telling a friend of mine that, that that's my thing that I follow. And he, I remember, was like, he said a, a sequence of numbers. He said, it's this, these three numbers that he told me. And he, whenever he said it to me, he was um, saying, that it's like all the time, you know, like I'll be standing there and I look up. And then while he was doing it, he said, look, right there, that address is 137. And then over here, like here's the, it's on the, the uh, license plate. And at the time, whenever he said it, it was just a little conversation that we're having. And then I'm listening to some old, uh, always record episodes, kind of leading up to talking to you, just kind of getting some think, stuff to think about when we're talking and stuff. And um, I listened to the newest one where at the end of it, they start talking numbers and Alan Green is all on 137. So he's saying, um, all sorts of stuff about 137. He goes off on a big 137 talk. And I find it really interesting. So then I text my friend and I'm all like, what was your number sequence? Because I couldn't remember it, but I thought there was a 13 in it. And then it turned out to be 137. So I'm like, all right, something for me to tell Doug about. That's crazy. 
And then what happened next was the episode ended and I just hit scroll. I was like, I was in the middle of doing stuff. And so I didn't want to try to find a specific episode of anything to listen to. So I was like, what's whatever I hit next, I'll grab it. And so I just spun down the page and then hit and then spot it. I hit it first and then notice it. Oh, wow. This was on 420, 2015. That's really cool because we're right here at the 420 episode, which I almost got. Man, if we could have put off one more day, I would have been on the 420 episode. <laughs> <laughs> so then at the very beginning of the episode, it's like Alan continuing his conversation that he ended on the last episode. So at the beginning of the, the 2015 always record, they go off on this 137 talk where he's just talking about the same thing he was talking about the other day whenever him and the other guy made the, the newest one, which was so cool. It was just like these things happen and it happens all the time. It's really rad though. I mean, without giving it some acknowledgement, which I'm sure a lot of people are just like, whatever that, that kind of thing just happens. And there's nothing too fascinating about it, but I feel like by discarding it, we're letting go of something that shows us a little bit of something about our general reality, you know? Like if there was a way for me to to really believe that, then maybe I could harness it a little better than it just being a coincidence. And I think that you know what I'm saying because I hear people talking about it all the time, and they got their different ways of saying that that's what they're up to or or experimenting with it and playing with that concept, you know. But uh, whenever I see that sort of thing, it's kind of a, a really big affirmation for me. Yeah, the affirmation is what it takes too. Affirmation helps a lot. Yeah, exactly. I, that that's the thing that number people, especially when they there's a certain cue or something they they see that r- lets them know that they're in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And then they can follow it, bring it forth. But usually, I'm, right now I'm working on the. Uh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. For me, it's always like, what does this mean? What what what? Am, what kind of meaning am I supposed to derive from? Like, oh, there here's the theme. I've I've sensed a theme. Right. And then I'm chasing it, and then it's like, what is this telling me that I like? No, already know, but you know, what am I exploring here? <laughs> it's wild because sometimes I try to just say, and lately especially, I've become more. It's so common, and I've listened to the you guys network for long enough, and been reading on it for years and years. It's always synchronicity is always a real fascination of mine that I just. I'm like, don't try to read too much into it. It happens. So be it, you know, if it can direct you, then kick ass. If it, if it feels like you're being like steered there, then follow it, you know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have, you're the one putting the meaning on it, you know? And so that's kind of how I've gotten with it, where I don't want to get too driven by the thought of that because it is so hit and miss. You do, you can't, you can't really call it. It might be on, it might not. You might think it's on when it's not and someone else is looking at you like they don't get what you're saying. You might have something where you can totally just say, this is, this is I am on track because here the facts are. And to say that that's not the facts is just kind of being a denial. But that's not always how it is. A lot of the time it's kind of like fluffy. You know, you don't know if it's, if it's like you're the one that's doing the interpretation. Some Wizard of Oz, Dark Side of the Moon stuff where <laughs> it could be really fascinating for us all. But if you're not, into it and you can totally look at it like well whatever you're playing a record with a video cool (laughs) (laughs) what what were you gonna say that you've been seeing lately that i'm working on i've been playing i've been playing with a 
I think I wrote to you about it at one point this year when we were, maybe when we were starting to talk about setting this up or something, but, um, there's this, uh, it started as a project. The name of it to begin with is the video Oracle and the video Oracle started as a project where I had a book that I wrote a long time ago. And the story revolved around a character who was kind of brainwashing himself into that position that's the science fiction version of like, like you're controlling your reality with your thoughts. Now you're a Jedi. Everything is the way that you think it is. And in my story that I was writing, that it was, there was a lot of my time spent over a five or 10 year period. I was uh, trying to make it so that this guy, I was trying to come up with a good way that this guy was using this device in order to reprogram himself. And then I let the book and the concept go and then started kind of revisiting it with this video oracle concept where I was like, I'm going to try to make a kind of a positivity machine that I'm going to use. I'm going to use as my technical uh, meditator. It'll be a technical, technological way to meditate. And what I'd like to do is program a bunch of kind of positive messages and make it so that I could meditate on it and sit here and listen to these things. And maybe whenever I'm trying to quiet my mind down, instead of just sitting there in silence, I can sit here with access to a big random batch of the right kind of input, the right kind of messages that I would want to get. And the way that I scored these messages was I went through these uh, audiobooks. At one time I had Audible and was paying for it monthly and didn't even realize that I had the account open at all. And I was getting credits added every month because if you're paying a monthly bill, then they'll give you a free book for every month that you pay. And I didn't know it until I was like 14 months deep. So I look one day and realize, oh man, I should have been paying attention. I got 14 books on this Audible service and didn't even know it. And so when that came up, I was listening. I, I like to like listen to those self-helpy kind of power of attraction books. And usually it's kind of, there'll be a, a sentence or something that really moves me. And then there'll be a lot of sentences that I have no interest in. So they'll say something that's really cool. There's a whole lot of it that I just kind of got to let go of. And I don't really pay much attention to it. I don't like it whenever it gets too religious. I don't like it when people use certain terms. If you're talking about mind over matter or the power of attraction and stuff, these things kind of turn me off. It's a little too general. It's like people coming up with their ways to describe something that's so hard to describe. And then by pigeonholing it, they make it impossible for us to really understand it. And so I took these books. What I, well, what I did was I said, now I'm going to buy the 14 books based on the suggested reading list from these other books that I like. So I'm going to go and see what they suggest. If you're talking about the secret, I'm going to go and see what they suggest. If you're talking about these other books that are on that topic. Okay. And I spent about a year or so where I'd go for walks. I'm just trying to, like a lot of time I sit in my house and edit and sit on the computer. It's kind of, I feel like I'm going to get unfit and pale, tasty yeah. from sitting around so much working on stuff. And so I'll take my daily walk. And whenever I'm taking my daily walk, I listen to these audio books. And I got a little device that makes it so that I can plug it, my phone into it and then monitor it through the headphones into the recording device. So it's just a little battery powered. You hook a thumb drive up to it, you hit record on it, and then you can record whatever's coming into it through an eighth inch jack. And so instead, it's kind of like I'm taking highlights from these audio books. Yeah. So when I'm walking along, if there's something that I like, then I'll cue that part up and then record that part onto the disc. And then I go home and batch them all and, I'm getting as many of these like powerful statements as I can get. 
and then I recut them so that whenever I'm listening to them, I sometimes I would like go in and rearrange them. If I hear one that relates to the other, then I put them in an order. But generally speaking, it was mainly about them just falling into place because what happens whenever you play people talking that way and they're consecutive, your brain kind of puts all the sentences together to mean one thing, or you start reading, uh, you start thinking about a topic because one sentence is said from one person. And then that topic is discontinued with the next sentence that's coming from another person. But because you're already on that topic, you tie them together and you come up with different conclusions that come from throwing a bunch of stuff together that doesn't really have anything to do with each other. And I was having a real good time doing that while I was just listening to the tapes to make these recordings. And so I decided I'm going to break it down. I'm going to make it into a bunch of chunks. And in the end, it came out to like 66 um, 15 to 25 minute chunks that are just kind of shuffled up audiobooks that are, I can't say that it's just, it doesn't boil down to power of attraction kind of stuff because a lot of it's positive thinking. A lot of it's just whatever was on these books, right. a whole bunch of books and they had good stuff to say. And I put them, if I wanted to hear, if I thought that Deepak Chopra was talking cool, then he makes it to the, he makes the mix, you know? <laughs> right. And, so, which is, which just happened on end. Like I say, most of it, I'm not really paying as I do it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to convert that because that's not, because I was wanting to make this piece so that other people could hear it. So I'm trying to look at it. Like I'm making something that is going to be like this far out freaky art piece. That's got a bunch of buttons on it and you're pushing the buttons to access this. And so I started trying to come up with ways that you could make a pattern that you could interpret into that kind of like the I Ching or something. So we want this to speak to people. And I told you guys about my ionosphere experiments at Burning Man, where we told people that we're harmonizing their mind with the machine. And then we played six hours worth of video, but they only get two or three minutes from that six hours. And then we would tell them to interpret it like a dream. And sometimes it would really affect people. Sometimes people would have their minds blown by what, what came out in their three minutes out of the six hour bucket of stuff. Because of the conversation that we had before, I think I was getting them on track by talking to them about it. And I was kind of getting them to pay attention in, a, in the right way so that they would get an experience that was meaningful to them. And um, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, of course, you know, maybe it's even just one out of 10 times it works. But what I, what I found real fascinating is that one out of 10 times that it would work would seem like it would inspire it to happen in like over and over after that. So one person would do it, if another person saw them do it, then they would come off and they would have had a positive experience where they're able to talk about it. Like somehow this is, whoa, this is crazy, dude. How'd you get my brain? But then most people wouldn't feel that way and they would pass that on to the next person. And so I decided to do another experiment that's a little bit more controlled with it, with this thing, where what we do is we take a dice. And since there are 66 combinations on the dice, they're really not because you don't have the zeros so it's not really 66 combinations because you got one through six. Uh-huh. So if I roll a one on the first one and I roll a five on the next and I'm on 15, if I roll a five on the one, but now I've made it so that the one and the zero, the one is a, is a kind of wild card one or zero, you take the pick. So when you roll it, you're, if you roll a one, then you're going to call it the zero or a one, whichever you want to. And now you have a zero and then you roll the next dice and you got a four. So now you ha- you're going to go to Oh four on the list of 66 choices of your 15 to 25 minutes um, positivity mashup. And then 
the mashup, if it speaks to you, then we're on the right track, which I'm just trying to keep it on that place where it's not, I'm going to mix it with video to give it more of that dream element where I'm like, if we, if we harmonize you right, then these images that you're seeing on the screen will tie in with images that mean something to you in the real life. But audio wise, I'm just trying to give people their excerpts from this cool collection of interesting quotes. And um, I've been doing it with myself lately and it's fun. It's almost like an antidepressant. It's really neat. It makes you focus on the right kind of stuff so that while you're living and you have your natural reaction to things, then you can pull it back in a lot easier because these people kind of got a lot of good advice about the way to look at, at the world and reality. Some people play this game with the Bible where they they drop their finger. You know, it's like dropping, yeah. The, yeah. randomly dropping the needle, but it's... Totally. But, Same thing. Which yeah. is all over it. I'm all, I like, there's a word for that. I don't remember what it is, but there's a way that you div, divin, it's like divination through text where you're giving that the power. I think that that's, maybe that's where our, we're, maybe we as people are getting better at observing these kind of things because we've got more, more technology to give us more and more ways to experiment with that language. And then as we get by it, maybe that's what it means. Maybe it doesn't mean anything specific to us, but it means you're on the right track because of the fact that you're paying attention to it. And then maybe we'll come up with a way to talk about that in the long run by having these kind of conversations so that we can actually like live it instead of being the people that are the like fringe, like theorists. Yeah. Well, I wonder often about like filters and how I wonder at various times in history, do cultures have thinner filters and they let more of this stuff in or they're able to Mm -hmm. like almost exist in, in multiple planes because different places right here on this planet Earth well, right now. Well, I'm just, you know, in terms of like, uh, we're pretty concrete in terms of, you know, I guess our worldview so that our, right. I would guess that we have pretty thick filters. And so like ghosts and anything mm-hmm. out of the normal range of what we empirically so believe. DMT. Yeah, right. And then what? what's going on there? <laughs> do, you, do you take some drugs that make it so that all of a sudden you drop those filters and shit gets real weird it's for like, real, whoa. where you're really living it and it's not a hallucination and you're not delusional for those moments of insanity, you know, <laughs> which seems like it's what draws people into it, where they, they want to have that kind of experience and experiment with it. I have a friend that made a t-shirt that said, what was it said? It said something like, Oh God, I wish I, I started quoting and I can't really, man. The gist of it was I'm going to be a lit wizard through this LSD or die trying or, or die frying. <laughs> like, I'm going to master this wizardry with this LSD or die frying. And <laughs> like, that's what seems like a lot of people are drawn into it because it's real fascinating that it opens up something else. But you read something like the electric Kool-Aid acid test and see where they ended up. And then you end up back to square one where it's all like, well, I guess it's still just a bunch of people using drugs. They didn't really evolve. They didn't really get any further along than the rest of us. They're just a bunch of people using drugs. Uh, Well, I I mean, there's a lot of stories like that where uh, there was a book that I read. uh, I'm not going to be able to remember the uh, gods without men or men without gods or something like that where basically uh gods without men i think 
it's about this cult and and you believe the the belief of the like the the kernel of belief in the cult is so great until something happens and then it just completely falls apart and like it seemed <laughs> completely ridiculous to believe any of the stuff even though mm-hmm. in the moment and when you're in it it's like of course you believe in it it's it's real it's true Absolutely. and then someone points Which... it that seems like what messes us up, man, because we try to say it's true, and then whenever it becomes not true, and we're so let down by it, it's hard for us to understand that maybe there's sometimes truths are not true at the same time. Maybe something that's true for me is not true for someone next to me. And then you say, well, no, that's not truth then, because we're talking about principles that apply to everybody. But if that's the case, then how is it that all these people that are so convicted to their religion that it means enough that they could like do anything for it in order to reaffirm their, their beliefs and in order to satisfy their God, which is completely different than the God that is on the guy that lives next door to them. And he's just as happy and feels like he's like dedicated to a good cause that he's going to live through, you know, like what makes it so that people that are so dedicated in that way can't see that it works for other people too. So maybe what they're saying is true for them, even though it de- it uh, contradicts what you're calling truth. Because there, it seems like we, over the generations and generations and generations of mankind, we've come up with all sorts of crazy belief systems, and they have evolved and branched off in different places, where now when we see this conflict, this Muslim-Christian conflict that's going on, Whenever that's just the one that's in our generation, that's what we're experiencing while we're here alive. There have been many of those throughout time, and none of them ever really proved themselves right, you know. But then maybe they did. Whenever that preacher was standing there, he's like, yeah, we proved it right. It was a miracle. The Indians died because we gave them our blankets. It was God that killed the Indians. Die frying. (laughs) Talk about, like, the early, (laughs) early, uh, what? John the Baptist, Jesus, mm-hmm. Mo- Muhammad, uh, yeah. prophets. The prophets, they just, yeah. if you do too much research, you you wonder, wait, are these guys just whack jobs? What's going on here? Right. <laughs> he needed to get a, a balanced diet and like chill out for a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yet, because we keep on talking about them thousands of years later, I got to give them something. I'm saying this. Oh, yeah, definitely. For something. Yeah, You know, it's real and it's like powerful. And if I had it in me to give myself over to it, if I found something that struck me like that, then I would because I would be all about it. But I, I'm too open to everyone's um, perspectives to ever be able to do that. Because I always feel like no matter what you show me, there's somebody else out there that sees it differently. And so I can't, you know, just say that this one or that one's right. I saw something the other day that even made me feel like Scientology. Uh, there was the, on CNN, they had this group of people that were Scientologists that broke out of their church. And normally they would be um, totally excommunicated and they can't talk about it because if they do, then the church can come and sue them. So they can't use these copyrights that the church apparently held. And so a lot of the inside goings on have never really made it outside because it has been protected by copyright law. And then these people proved that the church itself was wrong and that they didn't really have the rights like that. So they were allowed to go and start their own sect in Australia. And so they're talking to some guy who's saying that 
thing. He's like, oh, Ron Hubbard was le- level seven. I'm level 11. So he's saying he's advanced past beyond what L. Ron Hubbard was. And then they're telling what they're, they have like a device that they hold these rods and then the rods sense some sort of electro. I hope that the Scientologists don't listen to this and come after me, but they've already been outed on CNN. <laughs> they, they have these rods that they hold on to. And then the, um, the people read them kind of like give them a, a psychological analysis and apparently they're really good at it. They can teach these people how to learn things where the the brain and body are radiating the right kind of electricity into these rods in order to change a meter. And the meter can see your electrical activity that's happening or going on inside of you. And then kind of like a lie detector test, these guys can ask them the right questions and then answer, come up with solutions to certain problems in their life that they might've faced for forever, just like a psychiatrist might. And sometimes it works real well. And that's why those people pay a whole lot of money to be involved in it. And it's not even just the culty, like we're trying to follow an alien sci-fi religion as it is. I'm really open-minded. And these people have shown me that they're onto something by speaking to me like they did and telling me the things they did. And, um, I think it's just really faith-based. And once they've clicked in with you on the right level, then maybe they can cure what ails you. And if they do, then good going. So, so <laughs> I'm all for it, you know. If you've got a religion, even though I don't relate with it if, it, if if your prayers or rods that you're holding or whatever amount to a good thing, then go for it, you know. I would, it would be fun to to be in the in the midst of a... I don't even know if you'd know it either. You know, like a messiah. Because maybe messiahs are made, like they're literary figures. They're Here's a historical figure. They lived, they did some pretty interesting stuff, and later, for generations, we tell the stories and tell the stories, and then they become right. the superhero. Or... I know, I wonder, because think of all the people that claim that they're messiahs, or one way or the other, they're the spiritual leaders out there. And in this generation here with the internet and everything, we're not even going to pay attention to them. So even if they are healing people and they generally, and they really are doing some magical miracle stuff, we're not going to, we're going to think it's fake news. <laughs> well, like, yeah. So if it was really happening, if they proved it, if they said it right in front of us and it didn't make sense, we're going to deny it still. So what, you know, like what, did, what does it all mean? <laughs> I think that maybe that's what it, maybe that's a part of it. Maybe that denial and stuff, maybe those people are fighting through it and maybe we're going to get to some time in our history. Maybe it'll be thousands of years from now. Who knows? But maybe we're going to get to some time where, where we can find a middle ground between all of this, like science kind of like Newtonian, this leads to that thought. And then we combine that with all of that, like power of the mind, Christ says it is, and so it's, so it is kind of stuff, you know, right now they deny each other. It's all like, oh no, your medicine doesn't mean so much to me because I have the power of prayer. And then the scientist says, that's ignorant. Our medicine is the only thing that works. Your prayers are silly, but both of them are seeing it work for them sometimes. And sometimes the medicines don't work for people when they say it will. And sometimes the prayers don't work for people when they say it will. Well, that was 42 minutes. It went awfully <laughs> fast. 
Yeah, it was. Thanks for talking to me, man. You bet. Um, you've been listening. We'll have to, to do it again next year. Maybe I'll make 420 this time. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> funny because we got you one year on tax day, and we started spouting this biblical yeah. tax stuff at you. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You've been listening to Michael Allen, 42 Minutes, a production of Sickbook Radio and thesickbook.com. For more information about his work, visit project-ions.com. For more information about the Syncbook, our guests, check out past shows or just subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you'd like this podcast and would like more, consider becoming a Syncbook Plus member. Some of the membership benefits include full access to the complete audio archive, discounts on books, behind-the-scenes scripts, bonus audio and video, as well as seasonal online hangouts with the hosts. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com slash membership. Thanks so much, and in the end, the party would announce that two and two are five, and you would have to be... <laughs> And that already happened. And they said the micro microwaves were watching us.